2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing." We're going to start a new series today, and it's called Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders is about what Christians do. God is building his kingdom. He's building a new world. And he's building it all around us, and we get to participate. We're not the center of that kingdom, but we're a part of it, and we get to play. Now, I've got to tell you that if we're going to talk about Kingdom Builders and what we're called to be, um, and how we build it during this season, I've got to tell you, Uh, This season that we're in, in the church, is very strange. Not just our church, but like nearly every church in North America, in the United States. I hear churches in Africa, they're like, this is normal, welcome to the club. (laughs) But what we're going through, this is a really strange time to be involved in a local church and to be a Christian. Um. I was recently with some older, uh, by the way, Nikki's taking a picture. Did you need me to pose? Okay, no, okay, I'm just kidding. I was recently with some older, more mature Christians, uh, pastors with the Vineyard, part of the movement that we're a part of, and they were saying uh, that, that they've never seen, in their ministry experience, they've never seen anything like this that the American church has gone through. That it's just so weird and so difficult and difficult to manage and understand what's happening with the collision of all these different things uh, around us. Some of the older, more mature pastors said, well, the 60s were a little weird, but nothing like this. We're on new territory. Yeah, what we're experiencing right now is new territory. It's new territory for everybody. Uh, I was recently talking to Brad Bailey. He's a vineyard pastor uh, down the street. By the way, if you don't care for this church, there's a great church down the street called uh, Vineyard Westside. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Patrick used to be on the board there until uh, we were able to bring him over with us. And... One of the things Brad said, he goes, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. But he was still continuing on with his job, but he was just trying to help pastors feel better in the moment. But there's all these different things happening around the church. Just think about what's happening with the reputation of the church. Um, How many of you had a chance to catch the recent Hillsong documentary, Expose? 
Oh, rough. Um, they're actually doing sponsored ads for it on my uh, Facebook account. Come watch how a church has been destroyed. How many of you were able to catch the Mars Hill podcast that talked about the demise of Mars Hill? We got a few of you. And folks, the hits are just going to keep coming. Ravi Zacharias, there's going to be a documentary, an expose about what happened with him. Uh, there's going to be something that's going to come out about Willow and Bill Hybels. So just consider the reputation of the church. Not only that, consider the church's unhealthy connection to politics, both on the left and on the right. There's a political tribalism that's so deeply ingrained in some of us right now. Political tribalism, it's my team versus yours. It's married with our version of Christianity. We actually say things out loud to people, or we put them on our Instagram story, not for the permanent record on the wall, but on the story. We say, you know what, if Jesus was here right now, he would agree with me, you're wrong, I'm right. My team, me. Consider the cultural suspicion that Christians find themselves in. You know, it, have you ever noticed being a Christian, if you're willing to admit that in California, automatically puts you on a defensive posture with people? Have you ever noticed that? Maybe you're just living carefree lives, but not me. Uh, Christianity Christians and certainly Christian pastors, we're suspect. When I walk into a room and I talk to people about my life, and I'm like, you know, when I walk into rooms, people look at Christians with a level of suspicion. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might be, uh, feel like you're on the defensive with your culture. Oh, you're a Christian. Well, that must mean you vote like this, or you think like this, or you must believe this about me. Oh, you must be, you're a part of that archaic religion that was really popular when slaves were still a thing, women were second-class citizens, and science was still in its infancy. Trust is so low, not just in the watching world towards Christians. Trust is so low, even in the Christian community. You know it's bad when you meet another Christian, and after that person leaves, you're like, I don't know about that guy. There's trust problems. They're so low. Uh, when people meet me, and maybe this is just me, but, uh, and I talk to them, and they finally get around to ask me what I do, and I go, well, I'm a pastor. Uh, their response is like, oh, we've been waiting for you to help us bring the kingdom of God. They don't even, I'm telling you, it happened to me yesterday. We had a small birthday party. Um, by the way, we should start doing more birthday parties where, uh, for Marin, where all of my friends come to make it more fun for me. You know, like she's over there in the corner, and I'm like, well, I'm hanging out with all the parents, all the moms from the school, right? And the one woman goes, well, what do you do? I go, well, I'm a pastor. And she goes, she didn't even know what to do with her brain after she heard it. She's like, can I just get another glass of wine? I'm like, no problem. I can help you out there. She had no idea. It's not like, oh. It's like, oh, um, so, like, they don't even know where to begin. Are you like some politician just pushing your agenda for about these kinds of groups of people and marginalizing? They don't even know what to think of me. And oftentimes, you're out there. You don't know what they're thinking about you. Listen, there is a raging conversation going on right now in just about every aspect of American life. And we're being pulled to the left and to the right. We're being told that we should think this way and not think another. And then it switches on us. And they're like, oh, you're not supposed to do that anymore. And it's almost hard to keep up and make sense of it all. And then you have all this going on. 
And then you put a little pepper in the gumbo. We'll call this pepper COVID-19. You have COVID-19 on top of all of this. Jay Pathak uh, is a friend of mine, and he's actually done some ministry for some of you. Uh, he's the new national director of the Vineyard Movement. I was recently with him and some other pastors in Denver, Colorado, just outside in Arvada. And uh, he, he was telling this story, which I thought was really interesting. He was, you know, now he's like a big denominational guy. He's a big wig. I still like to make fun of him when I'm with him to bring him down to size. But like, he's like a big deal. So then he's like in the room on the Zoom calls with all the people, the heads of the things, you know, that you go, oh, wow, you, you're the thing with the person, the third, you know, you know, all the, so he's with all these important people. They get on the Zoom call and the guy starts the Zoom call. He says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2035. And that was an interesting thing to start off a Zoom call with a bunch of denominational leaders. What was he saying? He's saying that what happened during COVID, it exacerbated and accelerated what was already taking place in the American church, and it fast-forwarded us from 2020 to 2035. That the feelings and the sentiments, just something about sitting at home for two years, especially in Los Angeles. Florida, they didn't sit at home. They stayed at home for like a week. But for the rest of us, um, it was, it exacerbated those issues. There was something got stirred up. So the sentiments, the feelings, the lethargy of everything going on, the, um, so, something happened with the passion. It's almost like the fire went out to a certain extent. Have you experienced any of the things I'm describing? Have you witnessed these things, or am I the only one? Anyone? Have you seen this happening over the last couple of years? Well, we want to engage. A lot of us are asking how. We're trying to figure it all out. But where do you begin? How should we respond? Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he gives us a way to respond. And he's talking in this letter that was just read by Cairo. He's talking to his apprentice, Timothy. And he's saying to Timothy, listen, you're in a time and a place where things are unstable. There's a culture war raging around you. It's hard to know what's shifting sand and what is uh, like the real deal. Like, what do we do in this moment? I understand that. The foundation of your life is shaky. The rules are always changing. And in that moment, Paul speaks these works, these words. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. <clears throat> what an opening. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I'm going to pause there. What Paul is saying is in these unstable times, he's saying something in unstable times to an unstable leader. Listen, folks, lots going on around you. Don't forget to hit it down the middle. Don't forget to hit it straight down the middle. <clears throat> Learn to keep the main things the main things. Um, recently, I've started to take up not real golf, but top golf. <clears throat> and that's Marinette top golf. 
Uh, look at her cute little, like she's all legs. She has no, she has no upper body. She's just all legs. Uh, she's walking around. And, um, <clears throat> and in Top Golf, so they have all these, see all those targets that are to the left and to the right? And you can kind of get fancy and try to hit them into the center of the hole and you get more points. And the reason I'm doing this is because I want to go real golfing, but I don't want to lose a lot of balls. So I'm trying to practice. And I'm so good. And like it has a little target and all these things. And there's like all different kinds of things. So, so it's a, you can play different games and they have music. <clears throat> they have like a, a full restaurant. So it's all the things I want. You know, I just want large drinks and having fun with my friends and chicken tenders. And I'm having fun hitting a ball. And I, do, I usually go on my day off because it's really fun. I'm like, I need to... You know, I don't like what happened on Sunday when I said the thing. So I go whack balls for a couple hours and I feel better. And I come home, hey, honey. And, um, and uh, so I'm going to Top Golf and I'm trying to get fancy going down the left. I'm trying to get fancy going, trying to get into the center. I need to get to the center of the target. And what I really came to realize, like, Chris, it's like, you got to get good at, like, not the fancy stuff. Chris, you just got to get good at hitting it down the middle. You got to hit it down the middle. Stop aiming for this. Stop trying to do this. Stop working on this little part of your game or that little part of your game. Just hit it down the middle. You know, another illustration here is found in one of the great cinematic... Oh, he gave away my punchline. Uh, <laughs> um, who's the guy on the left? Well done. And who's the guy on the right? Daniel Sun and or, a.k.a. Daniel LaRusso, right? Is that right? I know. Daniel LaRusso, yes, that's correct. I'm not going to double check that. And Daniel LaRusso, um, you know, he, he's having some trouble with some bullies at school. Put him in a body bag, Johnny. And he's like hurting them and they're hurting him back and he's not really getting along and he really wants that to be with that girl. And like he's having some problems with some bullies. And so he teams up with Mr. Miyagi and Ms. he's like, teach me. And he's like, he's like, teach me to fight. He's like, teach me to fight. He's like a Jersey kid. He's new away from home. And he's like, you know, living in California. And he's like, teach me how to fight. And he wants to learn to fight. And what's the first thing that Mr. Miyagi does? What does he teach him to do? Close. One before. That's right. And paint the fence. What does he say? So what is it? Let's see that all together. Wax on, wax off. And he's like, hey, but Mr. Miyagi, I don't want to do that. And do you want me to do Mr. Miyagi impression? Hello. <laughs> That's my impression of Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I'm not going to do a Mr. Miyagi impression. So he does, <laughs> he does wax on, wax off. He's like, well, this doesn't make sense. And he's like, no, don't forget to do all the cars. And then he's done with that. And then what happens? I heard it over here. Paint the fence. Daniel son, paint the fence. And he's going up and down. He's very, these very interesting, basic, foundational things. And then all of a sudden, like, he gets Daniel to the end of his rope. And Daniel's like, I quit. I thought I was going to learn karate. And then he's like, and he makes him face him. And he does a thing. He teaches him those basic moves because everything else that he needed to learn about karate to take on his uh, mortal enemy in the Valley Tournament, if I recall correctly, was he needed to learn the basics. And all of that formed from wax on, wax off, and paint the fence. And then there was the sanding thing. And then also, like, when he wasn't looking, he was learning the crane, which ended up winning in the Valley Tournament. Um, and so their point is, <laughs> and all that, the point is all that, like, he was so worried about, like, you know, like, you know, 1980s kind of rock and roll, like, let's just learn all the fancy stuff. But there was basic things that Mr. Miyagi understood. There was basic principles. Basically, Miyagi's saying to Danielson, hit it down the middle. 
Sometimes when the world is shifting and the culture is very difficult to understand or comprehend, sometimes you just got to hit it down the middle. Hit it down the middle. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ buried. Jesus Christ risen and alive. Build community that encourages people. Build community that tells people the truth, even if it hurts their feelings. Dis Timothy I know there's a lot going on around you, but just do what you know you have to do. Do what's obvious and do what's in front of you. In a culture that is pulling us every which way, and I'll be honest, we got to figure out some of these issues that the church is facing right now. There's some things that Christians, you look at it and you're like, we're, we're going to have to figure this out. I do and you do, and we do, and that's why you're part of this church. We do need to be a light and a beacon of justice and mercy in our communities. I deeply believe that. We need to be a beacon of hope, and we need to bring healing to the divisions among us. But as we chase down that vision, we don't stop doing what we already know to be true. We keep the main thing the main thing. A friend of mine, Guy Wasco, he's a vineyard pastor in New York, and then he just transitioned to a new ministry called Compassion. It's a pretty big ministry. He gave me this saying one time, and the saying goes like this. He goes, listen, old orders are still good orders. Old orders are still good orders. The old things that we know to be true, hitting it down the middle, those are still good things. Preach the word, in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, train, dispatch the duties you're not supposed to dispatch, keep the main thing the main thing. And guys, this is obviously a message to church leadership, but I want to be honest with you today, this is a message for you. This is a message for those of you who call yourself followers of Jesus. You are called to do the same things. It's not just for leaders. This is not just for professional Christians. I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian. I get paid to do that, right? And you don't. But this is for all Christians. It's for you and for me. So what do we do in these strange and unstable times? We hit it down the middle. We, know to, we do what we know to be true. You're faithful to the main and the plain, you're faithful to keep the main things the main things. And this is what it means to be a kingdom builder. And so what I want to do right now is show you how you can hit it down the middle with this church at Pacific City Church in these strange times where people are like, church, why, why do that? Follow Jesus with my whole heart? Yeah, what is that? Here's how you can hit it down the middle. And I'm going to show you how you can hit it down the middle with this church. And then I'm going to ask you to do some things, okay? So first thing, Pack City Sundays. We, and if you're taking notes, you can fill in your blank on the first blank. We believe that Sundays still matter. For two years, my, so prior to this, for, year, for instance, 2018 when we launched, it was super fun. And some of you were there. This whole room was like full of people. It was awesome. And like we were growing. And we did that for a year and a half, and then it totally shut down. And for two years, uh, federal, state, and local government said, don't put people in rooms. And I'm like, that's my entire job description, is to put humans in rooms to see what God wants to do. And they're like, don't, just do, whatever you do, just don't do that. And we all did the Zoom church, and it sucked. Am I allowed to say that? And it just was like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, we we're still trying to figure out how to lay hands over the Zoom screen, and it wasn't happening, and, and the whole thing. But hitting it down the middle 
means that we will continue to rebuild a culture of meeting together. And it's not just here. This is happening uh, with almost every church in America. Now, there's some outliers that are doing some really cool stuff, but a lot of people are trying to figure out how to reestablish the value of meeting together with one another, the saints, the followers of Jesus, coming together and worshiping God together. And we hope over the, I mean, it's really hard to grow churches in the summer, but we do hope to grow this gathering, that more people would come into life with Jesus and friendship with you, the existing community, over the coming year. And our vision is to build a church that unchurched people love to attend, which is why I kind of talk the way I do. I try to use language that's potentially discernible and intelligible to someone that may not have a history with the church. So in order to do that, in order to hit it down the middle, my commitment to you is we're going to preach the word. We're going to preach the word, and we're going to ask you to live out that word. And we preach in this church on Sundays, because they still matter, we preach Christ crucified, buried, risen, rose from the dead, and appeared to 500 eyewitnesses. And as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, you, part of your responsibility, not just an option if it feels right, if it feels good, if not just, you know, a consideration, as a Christian, it is your responsibility to share the power of the resurrection with those in your life. If Jesus rose from the dead and lives in you today, that should be a part of your life and expressing that. And what we've done at Pack City is we've tried to create and recreate a few times an environment where people can come in and discover who Jesus is for the first time or the second time or the third time. And my job is to partner with you to do that. So what does this mean? Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to grow your passion for meeting together. And it's sort of like I'm preaching to the choir because you did show up around 10, maybe 10.30 or whatever. We start at 10, actually. Um, I'm sitting here by myself in the front every week. I'm like, this is the last week I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, I walk in and it's like it's the band and, they're, and they look at me like, it's just you. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to show up to church on time. Um, and that's because I have more passion. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm asking you to grow your passion for meeting together. And the way you grow your passion is you ask God, give me some passion. Give me some passion for you and what you want to do in this community. Help inspire me, re-inspire me. You, I'm inviting you to get excited about worshiping together with people on Sundays with other believers. I'm asking you to participate and to jump in and help to worship your heart out from 10 to 11 on Sundays and to be a symbol of the risen Jesus here in this part of Santa Monica. I'm asking you to do for others what others did for you when you first came into this church. You're in the room, and you look at them, and you go, I don't know you, but hello, my name is. And you ask them their name, and then you try to figure out a series of normal questions to and not be a weird Christian person, because you experience weird Christian people, and they are weird, um, not you, other people. And, like, and, they, and they get weird, and they're like, so, have you been washed in the blood? And you're like, I don't want to know about that blood part. When does that happen? And so what you do is you, you ignore, and you talk to me, and you do the thing that others did for you. 
Look, there are people who are wandering by this church and people who are wandering on the internet and they find us. And every once in a while, you know, every few weeks we get people that come into this church and I think it's because we have a really great website. And uh, we have a pretty decent, and they go check us out on Instagram. They go, well, they don't look like a cult. We'll go there. And they go to come, and they check us out. They're wandering in, and what is the question in their mind? They're like, you know, God, are you going to be there? God, are you going to show up? God, are you going to talk to me? And what are these people going to be like? Now, if you're not here, or you're not willing to engage them, then that doesn't work for me. I can preach the word all I want, but if you are not being the word in this environment with me, then it won't work. Do you see how this works? We work together to be the word and to preach the word. That's why Sundays matter. And we're going to continue to rebuild that culture. We did it once. We know we can do it again, but I can't do it alone. I'm going to need your help. So my part is to do that. I'm asking you to do that. So um, let me give you an illustration. Uh, You ever hear of a musk ox by a show of hands? You have. Musk oxes are really interesting because musk oxes, oxen, right? Musk oxen. This is going to, I'm going to mess that up a lot here. Uh, musk oxen are interesting. If you bring a musk ox into a field by itself, or he or she, I don't know how the whole gender thing, it's a very confusing gender conversation with musk oxen for me. Uh, but you put one in the center of a field or they wander out by themselves. Um, They'll just stand there. And what happens over time is all of a sudden other musk oxen will just show up. They'll just show up. And they'll just start here and they'll turn into a large group of musk oxen. And the reason they do this is given away in the name, musk. They have a very distinct smell that only other musk oxen really latch onto. And they will follow the scent of these beautiful bovine creatures, and they'll create a group. And I don't know if vineyard churches are exactly musk oxen, and I don't know if Pack City are a bunch of musk oxen, but I know that like, when I first went to a vineyard church in vineyard, at Vineyard Columbus, I uh, went with uh, my then girlfriend, Nikki Savig. We got married a long time ago, and we went, and we went in the morning, and I just remember when worship started, I, I was like, uh-oh, I think God's in the room. And I got really nervous for my own life. I was like, Lord, I started confessing sin, and my hand was on the front. You know when you're there, and your hand's on the front of the chair, you're like, Lord. And you start doing business with God because I felt the presence of God. And I knew there was a worship band and a worship team, but I didn't even notice that they were like doing a really good job leading me through worship because the presence of God was so strong there. And then, like, they get down and they do some terrible announcements about get involved and stay five times or whatever and all the stuff and um, all the crap we do too. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you move on. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, um, and then all of a sudden, this little tiny guy, uh, you guys do a great job, by the way. Nikki, you did a great job. Yeah, to our MC team. I feel like they're looking at each other saying, don't do that to us or we're not going to help you. Sundays still matter. That was point number one. So, uh, and so, and so, uh, I'm sitting there, and then, like, they get off the stage, and um, this little tiny man uh, with weird pants, I'm like, oh, great, we got the substitute teacher. You know, our first time, I always get the sub. And it wasn't the sub, it was Rich Nathan, and um, God's power and presence was on there. And what it felt like is that I had been held underwater forever, and for the first time, I came up out of from underwater, and I could breathe. 
I was like, ah, oh, these are my people. These are my musk oxen. These are the people that I want to be around and do life with. I'm going to open my life up to them and do that. And that's what we're trying to do here. We did it once. We're going to do it again. We're coming out of COVID and all the weirdness. Uh, hopefully, um, we're coming out of COVID and all the stuff and all the weirdness. And we're saying, listen, we're going to build a community for people who are looking for what we're doing. We're trying to position people to encounter the living God. We're trying to invite them to experience his power and his presence in real areas of their life. And we're going to preach the word. Amen? All right, okay. Amen. Yeah. All right. Number two, Pack City Community. We believe that circles are better than rows. Right now you're in rows, but we think circles are better than rows. In the look at verse 2, it says, Be prepared in season and out season, correct, rebuke, encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. Hitting it down the middle means that we believe in creating groups where our faith can grow and our friendships can grow. Here's how we know. In the history of the entire church, people meeting together in smaller groups and sharing their life, sharing what they're really going through, and people praying for them and showing how the scriptures apply to what they're going through, this has helped people throughout the centuries to grow further and faster in their personal life, in their walk with Jesus, and it has an impact on your, all your relationships, on your neighbors, on how you deal with that, those people you call your family, and how you deal with those people at your workplace. That is the place. You can get a little bit here, but this is not the primary place where you're going to grow. It's in relationship with other people. Here's what I'm asking you to do. That we're going to be out and about. There's going to be a few groups that are going to be meeting here and there over the summer. I'm asking each of you, 100% of you. Now, if, this is, if you're just visiting or you're newer to this community, this is a family conversation. I'm not making you do anything I'm about to say right now. Family conversation. If you call Pax City your church home, if you call Pack City or church home, I'm asking 100% of you to get involved in a community group this fall. This is the way you will actually grow in your faith. And if you can't figure out how to get in a group, I can help you get in a group. Now, that's the first ask. In the second ask, I'm asking some of you to lead a group. And I'm asking some of you to host a group. Oh, Chris, I don't know how to lead a group. I don't know how to host a group. That's okay. I'm asking you to pray about it now and consider doing it in the fall. There's two things we can't teach. We can't teach passion and integrity. You either have that internal start button to get up in the morning or you don't. Integrity, you either tell the truth or you don't. I can't teach those two things. You just have them or you don't. Everything else we can teach you. How do you lead a Bible study? How do you gather people to your group? How do you invite people into life with Jesus? How do you build a partnership with some of the people in your community and bring some of your people from your community group to do the things? We can teach you all of that, and we're really good at that. And when we're done with you, you're going to be better than you've ever been at leading a group or hosting a group. I'm confident in that. I know how to do that. When I worked at the other churches I've worked at, I just did that. You know, I didn't have to preach. You know, I just did that, and, I was, and we're good at that. We know how to do that, and we can help you do that. So pray about that. And some of you are thinking about that right now in your heart. You're like, you know what, maybe I should host. I should clean my apartment or my mansion. Let me know if you have a mansion. Um, I should clean it once a week and then have people over. And in doing so, we're doing what the historic church has always done, which is building relationships. Third thing, Pack City Social. I love what we've done with Pack City Social, um, but uh, the fill in the blank is we believe that relationships are central to authentically sharing Jesus. Um, 
Hitting it down the middle means that we take, all take, responsibility for sharing life with Jesus with others. Now, I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, and I hope that you do too. And if you do, one of the best ways that you can share that Jesus is the hope of the world is to start by having, and I'm not, under, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, normal human relationships. Like, like no, building normal relationships. And you would think that this sounds like uh, I'm overstating it, but I'm not. It's how we have, it's, it's the, what, the kind of conversations we have now so that we can have God conversations later. And what's basically what we're asking you to do is I'm asking you to look at your life and look at the people who are involved in your life. And I'm asking you to start mixing the people in your life who are not really in a relationship with Jesus and those who are and putting them together where those two circles collide in environments. You're going to throw parties. You're going to say, hey, let's meet at this restaurant for cocktails or for some like happy hour. Hey, let's go bowling. Let's go to the beach. Now, Nikki and I have been doing this for years. We look at it and we, we like mix together people in our church life and people from our regular life, from the school life. And what we do is we don't wind them up and then trick them. It's not like a lock-in. You're like, now that you're here, let me share the four elements of the gospel. Like, and we get them. Like, all we're doing is creating the context for a relationship to happen because we believe that the Holy Spirit has ordained moments for people to come into life with Jesus that don't involve coercing or tricking or pressuring or doing any of those weird things that the evangelical movement has said that we have to do in order to see people come into life with Jesus. All we do is we say, what's it look like if we throw a little pepper and a little spice in this pot and see what happens? We just mix it up and we let it be. And we see what God does. And the result is, is that people who are far from God and the negative side of it start moving towards Jesus in a normal, human, relational way. So what I'm asking you to do is to join up what, with what Nikki and I have been doing and some of you have been doing for years, is to just start mixing people. Just start mixing the people and then sit back and watch what God does. Pack City Impact. We believe the Christians must serve the city with no strings attached. Hitting it down the middle means that we care about the poor, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the vulnerable mother, and the vulnerable child. You know, God has given us permission to care about our city and the people in it. And as we come out of all this weirdness over the last few years, we need to, as a church, we need to return to becoming the hands and feet of Jesus by serving those who are in need. Uh, right now, we're evaluating two partnerships with the hopes of beginning a third. Uh, the first uh, one, and you might want to write this down if you like it, the one is called Upward Bound House. Uh, this is an organization that works with pregnant uh, people that are pregnant or recently homeless families. It helps them get out off the street and have enough food and resources uh, while they're going through that pregnancy. And that's right here in Santa Monica. Another one, um, and Tara and I just went and visited this place together. It's called the Harvest Home. They just widely expanded their services with a larger, they took over a nunnery where nuns live. They didn't kick them out on the street or anything. They just moved. Uh, the nuns moved out, and they moved in. And they work with pregnant homeless mothers by 
serving them and giving them a place to live and they have training and resources. And funny thing, uh, the girl that gave us the tour, um, she's like, yeah, I love this place. I've been growing and I keep getting promoted. And uh, um, I, I was in the program two years ago. We're like, what? Like this is a girl off the street in a vulnerable pregnancy. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know what she should do with the baby. And this organization was there and came alongside of her. And here she is, succeeding in life. She has a happy two-year-old, just went to the first dentist appointment. Um, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to evaluate. And so actually in a few weeks, I'm going to get a group of people to go do another tour, the same tour that we did with her, and I'd love for you to meet her. If that's interesting to you, why don't you just text me, not now, because uh, I don't want my phone to ring a bunch of times, but like text me or just reach out to me and come be a part of it. I'll rent a van. We'll go together. Does that sound good? Third one, uh, we're actually thinking uh, about something called a value life ministry. Uh, with everything going on in the Supreme Court, I don't know if you heard anything about Roe versus Wade. It's this uh, Supreme Court decision that came out a few years ago. It's been kind of getting the country turned upside down. Um, it's, it's actually highlighted that there's going to be, in the coming years, there's going to be this massive need to help moms and children uh, who are going through a very difficult time and they're going to need resources. We know that. So regardless of your opinion on the politics of it, we know that's going to be a reality, right? And so the church sometimes doesn't need to step in in certain ways, but it does need to step in in others. And if the church can see and anticipate that this is going to be a massive need, then we probably, that might be a sign that God's speaking to us about having to engage. We might have to do something. And we decided as a church, the board's like, we don't want to lean to the political left or the right on this issue. We're, we're just not going to do it. But we do believe that the church is going to have to have a responsibility and a hand in taking care of people who are walking through these issues. Taking care of them, giving them resources, giving them education, and doing what we can to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So those are some of the three things that we're doing with Pax City Impact. Now, um, with my remaining hour and a half talk, um, um, how are we going to do this? I want to tell this to you. Um, Pack City Resources. This is how we do it. Um, again, if you're newer and you're just evaluating this community, this part of this is a family discussion. So you, don't, you can just tune out. Um, our ability to do what we do now and our ability to do what we plan to do in terms of preaching the word, gathering new people, building relationships, throwing great parties, being the church in this community. Everything that we do requires financial resources. And those resources don't come out of thin air. They come from you, and they come from me. And hitting it down the middle in turbulent times means we choose to obey God's commands when it comes to giving. Story time. Our church was dispersed by COVID for two years. And we were meeting online, and as I said before, it's not fun. And when we came back, we found that many people just left. They're like, we're moving to Texas. We're moving to Florida. They're like, we're moving to the valley. <laughs> we're, we're, mov <laughs> we're moving to Orange County. <gasps> uh, you know, <laughs> We're out of here. And some people are like, I'm just not going to go to church anymore. 
or, um, you know what, there's a lot of things going on politically. You're not doing exactly what I want you to do because I'm right. I hold the tension best. We're leaving. So because of everything that's happened in the last two years, both politically, socially, and with COVID, our church was dispersed. And we, uh, we were like at the end of that, uh, you know, or towards the end of that, we, had, we made a decision that we had to relaunch. And we relaunched in the fall. And even then, we could only relaunch outdoors because we wanted to see your beautiful faces. And I know you want to see my beautiful face. And we couldn't meet indoors without a mask. So we met outdoors for a while. Now we're back in. But since we've relaunched, we haven't fully recovered. It's just true. And we're going to need to recover. In fact, even in order for us to relaunch this fall, I had this great opportunity uh, to go out and raise a bunch of money. I don't know if you knew that. I went out and raised a lot of money. You know, a little shy, like, like a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars, just so that we could relaunch to get us to where we're at today. Everything we do at Pack City is paid for by someone. It just doesn't appear in the church's bank account. And Pack City depends on the financial generosity of, you guessed it, Pack City members. So in order to do what we believe we're supposed to do, as we're regathering, focusing on hitting it down the middle, I'm inviting Jesus' followers to do what God's word says about tithing. And tithing isn't someone else's job. It's not the job and responsibility of other churches and individuals that I know across the country. I'm not going outside anymore to raise money. We have everything that we need right here. It's your job now. It's my job. It's our job. And Nikki and Patrick and Kate and myself, we're the board, uh, board of directors, and personally, we've given as much as we can financially to sow into what we believe God wants to do in this church, but we cannot do it alone any longer. And so, I also, I want to add, like, if you've been tithing at Pack City, I just want to say thank you. Very cool. Very cool that you're tithing. You know why? Because you're actually living in obedience to what God says you should do with your money. You're like taking that area of your life and you go, I'm going to obey God. And it's very interesting because I believe that God's going to continue. As if, you, if, you can, if you're tithing, God's going to bless you. God's going to continue to bless you. I believe that for you. But just to be clear, let me allow, please allow me just a minute. I want to explain what tithing actually is so we understand together what it is and what it isn't. What is tithing? Well, tithe, um, tithing is a biblical standard for giving. Tithing literally means a tenth. Another way to say that would be 10%. It's what Christians are commanded by God to give back because of he's greedy because he's poor, because uh, he's like short on cash, JC short on cash? No. Why? He commands that we give it back because of his generosity to us. What's the difference between tithing and an offering? Well, tithing is giving the first tenth of my income, 
An offering is anything I give in addition to the 10% standard. So when you make a $50 donation here or there and you give to this charity, that charity, that's not a tithe. That's an offering. So for instance, a 10% tithe, where's our math people? Do we have any math people? A 10% tithe looks like this. If I earn $75,000 a year, 10% would be? All right, now here's where you find out if you're, uh, you're really smart. What is that per month? Say so you're on, on online recurring giving at Pack City. Any guesses? $625 a month or $150 a week. Wow. And then say you make $150,000 a year. What's 10%? Over here. I, I, you, don't, you don't have to answer. Over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, all right, 15000 Yes, and what would that be per month? Okay, yeah, double what I just said before. That's right. <laughs> Clever. Twelve fifty, or 312 a week. Why should I tithe? Why should I tithe? Well, two reasons. God commands it. And Jesus commended it. God commands it, and Jesus commended it. Matthew 23, Jesus actually says, yes, you should tithe. And don't leave anything else undone either. Don't forget to do the other important things in your life. In fact, Jesus kind of made it worse. Jesus made it abundantly clear that tithing isn't the ceiling of giving. It's actually the floor. It's where we start. Why else should we tithe? Well, we tithe because... It demonstrates that God is first place in our lives. Everything we have been given, everything that we have, comes from God. You're not that talented. You are actually dependent on a creator who's given you everything. I am dependent on a God who loves me and has given me everything that I have. And so when we tithe, it actually expresses our love to God. So it's not just commanded, it's just good for us. Listen, when the board and I were talking about tithing, and they knew this was coming, I was going to talk to you guys about this this week. And, in the, and since we have a church that shows up once or twice a month, I'm going to be hitting some of these topics for the next three weeks over and over again. So after a month, we'll hear everything. Uh, but it'll be a different talk next week. You know, hear me out. But, um, so as I was talking with them about tithing and how I was going to start sharing some of the things about what we need to do financially for Pack City and how we want to hit it down the middle, you know, it's just in the middle of our conversation as the board, we were like, we paused it was like we postponed, we paused the conversation about like what, the strategy of it, and we just went back into remarking how we've never felt like we made a mistake by tithing. We've always, we remarked how we've never regretted giving a tenth of our income to the local church. And it's like the weirdest thing. We should feel more selfish about it or more like, you know, greedy about it, but we remarked how much joy we felt and just giving it, just giving it. Because when we choose to give our money, when we choose to tithe, like I want to be specific, when, not just give a little, when we choose to tithe, this has been God's way of blessing us and opening up new things for us. Now, if you're here today and you go, you know, I could use some blessing in my life. Well, I got to tell you, this in the scriptures is the only way where God says, test me. Go ahead, look it up. Not now, later. You won't have internet access anyway. <laughs> Look it up. God says, test me. Tithe, test me. And see what happens. See if I will not open the floodgates of blessing and generosity. Now, he doesn't say what kind of blessing. He doesn't say if you give 10, you get 100-fold in cash. You're not going to win the lottery necessarily. 
but blessing follows you when you live in obedience to Jesus. So it's so weird. He's like, I'm telling you, this is good for you. This is good for your soul. Do it. And we just, as the board, we just felt that. So um, a few more things, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to get you guys out of here. Um, here's the hard reality. I've made the case for giving. I've made the case for hitting it down the middle. But here's the hard reality. Right now, the leadership team has taken a look at the breakdown of what's happening at Pack City financially, and there's three data points that you need to know. And some of these data points we will repeat next week. But some of the, here's what you need to know. 20% of our giving comes from external donors. These are friends of mine. And they don't attend this church, but they believe in what we're doing. And they give anywhere from $50 to $300 a month and all over across the board. And this is above and beyond their giving, their tithing to their local church. So they're tithing and then they're giving above and beyond $50 to $300. It's a bunch of them, a bunch of my friends and family. And this is max generosity and we love them for that. Data point number two, this one, about 60% of our giving so we have 20%. Now, the next 60% of our giving comes from around eight families and individuals in this church. So eight, I, I, I want to break it out, or single people, but eight like bank accounts make up 60%, right? So we have 60%, and then we have the 20% of the external. So we're at 80%. So 20%, data point number three, 20% of our giving is split between the other 50 people or so who call Pax City their church home. So what this means is that around eight bank accounts, eight people, or a little bit more than eight people, but eight giving groups, families, we'll call them families, and a bunch of people who don't even go to this church make up about 80% of the giving. It also means uh, that people who don't even, you know, uh, go to this church, give about as much money as the 50 people who do go to this church. Now, if you're me, and you're trying to navigate the unstable times that we're living in, we're bouncing out of COVID, we're rebuilding a group of people, people that come to this church, full-time attenders that come one to two times a month. If you were me, what would you say? What would you say? You'd probably say the same thing I'm going to say, which is, this has to change. We have to change. We have to adapt. Why? Because Pack City's operating budget is roughly around $18,000 a month. There's nothing I can do about that. You're like, well, this is tiny. Well, there's fixed costs. Lights, keeping the lights on. We have bills to pay. We have to keep the ship running. We have a small salary for some of our staff team. And, but right now, just so you know, we're operating at a deficit, depending on how generous people are feeling. We're running at a deficit of six dollars to $8,000 a month, depending on the month. So each month, I went out and raised the large amount of money, and thank God that people were generous, but we're at a burn rate of around six dollars to $8,000 a month. So we're just burning cash while we're trying to in, in bring in new folks that want to tithe and call this their church home. And I'm so grateful that we were able to do that. But put it simply, you know, if in order for us to keep doing what we're doing, and we're planning and preparing. We have great things set for the fall. In order for us to keep doing what we're doing, we're going to need the other 50 people in this church to start tithing. 
to giving generously to the work at Pack City. Now, the good news is leadership team has completed its assessment uh, and has talked with me, and we actually still believe that we can meet all of our financial goals. We can set ourselves up financially to be healthy with the folks that are currently in this church. We don't need to grow by a large number of people in order to accomplish that goal. We can just do it now. We can actually just do it now. And if we just can do it, if everybody pitches in. And so we believe that if all of us participate in tithing, we can actually make up the deficit and it will set us up to be on a really good ground for the coming months. We're going to hit it down the middle. I'm asking you, if you call Pax at your church home, to start tithing and start tithing uh, soon. And, you know, I'm inviting you to obey God in this area of your life and to join Nikki and Patrick and Kate and myself and the other tithers uh, by giving generously to God's work, and we'll see what happens. Now, um, you know, it, you're gonna, it'll be worth it, and you're going to be blessed. So um, I'm not going to chase you down, but I would, I'm asking you to do that. So let me just say this, and then I, I want to worship one more time together. Um, look... The world is a weird place, and, you know, um, I'm pro, man. I've been around church stuff for a long time. I've not seen anything like this, Um, and I don't know that it's going to get easier moving forward. I'm just looking at some of the pressures where true, devout Jesus followers are going to collide with culture. But I do believe that Jesus is powerful. And that if he rose from the dead, he can still have an impact. I haven't given up on Los Angeles. I haven't given up on Santa Monica. And I don't think you should either. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hit it down the middle. We're going to do the basics. We're going to preach the word. We're going to worship our hearts out. We're going we're to do what we can during these un- unstable times with worship in our community, with reaching the lost, with being the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to do the basics. We're going to wax on, wax off when it comes to our involvement and our personal life and our personal obedience when it comes to our personal generosity. Let's just hit it down the middle. I'm inviting you to do that together. And I just want us to put a big bet on God and what he might want to do in our community. Amen?